Good day, everyone. You are listening to the Meeting Impact podcast, empowered by Young Chiefs, a hard work initiative. It's Mishi Guyash. I'm gonna be your host today. This is the second episode of the Meeting Impact series, a series in which we interview inspirational leaders building purpose-driven organizations. On today's show, we are going to talk with Tim Baswell, the co-founder of Puka Herbs. Founded 16 years ago, Puka has become globally recognized for its herbal teas. Tim discovered the magic of herbs after his own health issue prompted him to look for alternatives for Western medicine. Puka has been growing at an incredible rate, doubling in size every two years for the last eight. Now, Puka's teas are sold in more than 40 countries. Despite this growth, Puka remains true to its social purpose and donates 1% of its sales to environmental organizations. Tag along if you want to hear more about Tim's story and how working from the heart can help you at building a successful brand. And first, I would love to ask Tim to introduce himself a bit and uh, maybe reflect on some major events that brought you here where you are right now. And this can go way back as in answering what were your dreams as a youngster? Um, uh, yeah, well, uh, I guess, you know, life is interesting because it unfolds, doesn't it, really? And, you know, people always ask you or ask me, what do you want to be when I was growing up? And I never knew for a long, long, long time, actually. I just no, no, no idea. Um, and eventually I had a, an inclination that I wanted to be an architect, actually. And the idea of uh, being an architect really was um, around fascination with being creative and then and actually building something which was substantial and that I could see. So um, I dreamt of that for a short while. I it didn't really focus on it too much. It was more of a, a whim or a fancy rather than a, a dedicated. Uh, move to say, okay, what what's what are the now the goals to get there and the milestones to get there? It was just a kind of dream, really. Um, I went through school in the UK. I'm, I'm originally from the north of England, uh, uh, Lancashire, a place called Blackburn, uh, which is about 30 miles north of Manchester, uh, towards going towards Scotland. And I was living in a, um, what was called a, like a really post-industrial town. So it was an, an old mill town where they made cotton uh, and it was part of the Industrial Revolution. It's very active space. But um, where I was living at the time was uh, pretty down, actually. It was in the, in the 60s and 70s. Um, and we were suffering a lot from a lot of people out of work, um, uh, a mill into a school. So I was kind of living in a, in a mill, being, going to school every day. Wasn't really encouraged to school too much, didn't like it too much. Um, didn't like the formalities of school too much, but kind of survived it. Um, did my exams, messed them up completely, came out doing A-levels, which, we, which was kind of top levels uh, exam you do in, in, the, in the UK. Yeah. Completely messed them up. So, and uh, I didn't do, get enough you know, grades to be an architect or to go for, further forward and to do what I wanted to dream to do. So I had to kind of do like, um, I think it was like an emergency exit from my hometown. I wanted to get out. It's like now the escape door of an aircraft, maybe. Which way is out? And where's a where's where's kind of shoot down to survive somewhere else out of town? So I I um, found a, a business, a course to do, which was still related to the construction industry, 
which was in, in building and learning to, to become a uh, like a site engineer, a surveyor, um, still involved in the building industry. And I, I went to live in Liverpool for three years, actually. Um, through that time, I decided I didn't definitely want to be a builder, but I thought I would, uh, I would actually complete what I set out to do. And maybe that's something that's, I've, I've always kind of thought about myself is that tenacious quality that's really held me true to the things that I've done. And then I somehow um, went through that. And then one of the modules is like a business course in, in the building. One of the modules was marketing and it opened my eyes up to this, this uh, idea of uh, interaction and relationships really. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I still remember Maslow's Triangle. I don't know if you guys are aware of Maslow's yeah. Triangle and the, the hierarchy of needs and so on. It's yeah. like kind of a, it was a massive light bulb moment for me really. And I thought, oh yeah, because I've never been really taught about life or well-being or, uh, you know, it's just trained, I was trained to do exams really. And that's that's all I did at school. And, and unfortunately that's what a lot of kids do these days, still, still do at school these days. So I um, had a hint of, okay, I'd like to maybe go into marketing and sales. So I, I, I started getting into sales and marketing, um, worked my way through into the computer industry um, where I was just trying to get a job to earn some money to live you know, job, money, live, job, money, live, kind of really, not really knowing what my purpose or even thinking about what my purpose was really at that time. Mm. Um, it was just about having a good time and kind of living for the weekends. Uh, hmm. um, and, but then I, something really inside me started to really itch quite a lot really and, and started to aggravate me and irritate me. And like, so what's this all about? You know, working so hard during the week, five days a week, do I really like what I'm doing? What's the purpose of all this stuff? Uh, then just living for the weekends, we have great fun with friends or whatever you want to do you know, on the weekends. And then you kind of, kind of back to the grindstone again. And so um, I kind of moved around. I got trained really well in, in, in business through my experience and career in the computer industry. I worked for a couple of American companies in a corporate space. Um, uh, based over in uh, Massachusetts, um, and I, you know, became a business development manager uh, covering Europe. Uh, lived in Vienna for a couple of years. Um, lived in Portugal for a while as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt like I needed to do something more than what I was doing. When I was about twenty-six, I, I I do like sport. I like running, playing tennis, playing football. I, I was running one day and my, I was running up a hill and my back really started to hurt and I couldn't work out what's going on with my back. Um, and it kept persisting every time I went for a run. Uh, went to the doctors, they didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, they couldn't work it out. They sent me to osteopaths, still couldn't work out what was going on with my back. It was getting worse and worse and worse. And finally it was diagnosed as a type of rheumatoid arthritis, um, mm. the clinicians by the doctors. And, uh, and the outcome of that was um, uh, to say, I'm sorry, this is what you have, and this is what, this is what we have for you. And it was um, two, two sets of tablets. One was, one was painkillers, pain mm. anti-inflammatories. Uh, and I tried to take them, but I felt sick and spaced out. And I got really depressed, actually, um, on the th of being 26 years old. And this was my life on anti-inflammatories and painkillers for the rest of my life. So I decided to do something about it, and I, I, I got involved in yoga. I went started seeing Chinese herbalists. They gave me these weird 
teas that tasted disgusting and much much worse than pucker teas are um for and, sure <laughs> and that really gave you know a little in it, if i look back at my life that's a little trail i didn't really realize at the time but i started to inquire about nature you know self-empowerment and so on and so on and so on um meanwhile i carried on working working really hard got really really frustrated with it all and i couldn't see a way out i couldn't work out what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. I was working so hard. So I just decided to, it's kind of a, just like a little little breakdown really. I didn't break down and I thought, that's it, I had enough of it. I'm just gonna stop working. Had some savings, had no commitments. Uh, I'll stay at home. Um, so a lot of my friends went to travel around the world. I just stayed at home, read books, went for walks, watched TV now again and stuff like that. And I read a beautiful book called um, Working From The Heart actually. Uh, mm called Liz Simpson and it really inspired me to connect to myself and to my heart and to journey deep within really and, and uncover and unravel things about myself that really no one had prompted me to ever do in my life. I, I had no real mentorship or guidance uh, and this book was a real kind of um, spark to, um, to self-inquiry um, and through that I kind of spun out kind of the things that interested me and what was really, you know, I was interested in environment and nature and the balance of life. I was interested in the great outdoors. I wanted to, I wanted to, I was concerned about the environment as well at that time. And I really um, wanted to contribute really, uh, contribute to uh, something bigger than me and to the whole, but contribute to what I wasn't really sure about. So I started to form out this kind of intentions, I guess. So, mm. And one of the things I'd say is, is really key is, uh, I may say it again if I don't, um, please do remember it, it's uh, intentions really and how intentions are so important in life. And my intention was to and, 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 and do that, so it's to, to find out what might, what environment I might want to do or be involved to do that. Meanwhile, in Bristol, um, we had a little, at that time before online stuff, we had those magazines where every week came out and told you what what you know what to do, where to go, you know, kind of social scene thing, you know, restaurants, bars, music, cinema, mm. theatre stuff. Uh, and I placed a little advert in the classified sections of, of the of that um, magazine, and I called it. I titled it "Business Organics," and, it, and the sub, sub subtitle was "If you've got an idea and you want to grow it in a healthy, wealthy." sustainable way give me a call mm. um and um you uh, you can utilize my my experience uh, i'll give you a, a kind of a health check uh, uh, uh as an alternative view of things and after two weeks i got a grand total of one response <laughs> um from this guy who uh called sebastian who i met up and he's uh he was a Chinese medical herbalist and an Ayurvedic practitioner. We got together, uh, met in his herbal study, and it really gelled. We had just, just straight away this feeling uh, of something between us that we, we wanted to take forward. He made a couple of herbal teas. He had no idea what to do with them. Um, I had no idea about products. I'd never been involved in product marketing, you know, making things and, and branding things. So... We went out on a journey and we decided to, over about four or five months of getting to know each other and working with my neighbour in my block of flats in Bristol, who was a, a kind of designer, we, we evolved this idea of creating a company 
and uh, it's interesting going through the, the experience of branding it. I don't like to use the word brand too much because really what we want to do is create create a movement really. Um, and we um, sat down and kind of worked out, you know, first principles, what are we about? And we want to do something that was really genuine and really authentic. And a lot of our background was driven by the influence and inspiration of, of, of the ancient wisdoms of China and India. So we called ourselves Pukka. And in, in the UK, Pukka is a slang word, but it originates from, from, from India as a Hindi word, which means real, authentic, or genuine. And we thought it'd be a great name. To, Beautiful. And be yeah. a core to, you know, always try and be authentic and real in what we did. So we just set out on a journey, really. And, you know, that was 20 years ago. Didn't know anything about manufacturing, you know, supply chain, product costs, you know, branding, sales, marketing, working with supermarkets or multiples or how to travel around the world and, and, and set up markets. We kind of just did it because we were really passionate. And we, we, the real passion was a real feeling uh, about bringing herbs into people's lives, actually, and connecting people to the power of plants. And, um, and that's been our mission ever since, really. And, you know, to do it in a way which is authentic, fair, um, as empowering, you know, at the time I, I was, I was touched by my, my, um, my experience, you know, with the, the health service in the UK and the way that we were brought up to, to manage our health was, was really to give it to the doctor or give it to the health profession. So if yeah. something's wrong with you, go and see the doctor, the doctor will sort you out. And what I really found from the ancient traditions is that these traditions were really about allowing, they, they were, they, you know, thousands of years of experience, um, um, of true experience, really, uh, of, of, of knowing what works and what doesn't work. And, and listening to that experience and listening to how that experience can empower me to take charge and responsibility for my life. Uh, and then, you know, since then, that's, that's always been a, a great, you know, fascination and motivator for me is to really be a platform to, or a catalyst to help people uh, and encourage them to, 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 to engage with nature and take charge of their life and uh, go on their own personal journeys. And so we've been able to do that through, you know, a little cup of tea, which has got two grams of herbs in it, uh, you know, which come from 30 odd countries around the world. We get about 170 herbs and so on. So it's been a fascinating story, but really, you know, when you sit in your office in Amsterdam, New York or London, uh, or, or you're sitting at home now these days, uh, maybe in an apartment, um, this little, you know, these two grams of herbs here. It's amazing what, you know, these are dried herbs that have traveled to your teacup, put some hot water on them, and they just like spark up and come to life in terms of taste, flavor, and also can have medicinal benefits in terms of helping to sleep or cope with stress or immunity issues or, you know, I can go on and on and on, basically, digestion and so on. So, you know, I've been so privileged, you know, I feel so blessed and privileged to be able to work with nature, bring it to life, and then engage with so many people. Um, so, yeah, that was a long answer, really, wasn't it, Missy? <laughs> yeah, but it was a very inspiring answer, and I, and, and a lot of uh, things unfolded that uh, I was actually wanted to, what I wanted to ask as well later oh. on. So uh, one of these was actually basically your your personality traits or your values that you put into puka herbs, and I actually would like you like to ask you to reflect a little bit more on uh, what were these traits that or characteristics that enable you to build really 
a company that has a purpose over profit approach? And then how the second question would be, how does your personality traits reflected in Puka Herbs and the values that the company stand for? Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, you've got to be a Virgo. I don't know if you've but definitely got to be a Virgo. If you're not a Virgo, guys, just forget about it. Um, no, oh, then I go just, home. <laughs> uh, no, just joking. Just joking. Um, yeah, well, I've got this real interest in um, curiosity, really. You know, really, what the hell is, what the hell am I doing here? And why am I here? Uh, and what the fig's going on, basically. Um, so that natural curiosity is a starting point for me. Um, I've always felt at home in with nature. I'm inspired mm. by you know sunsets, mountains, um, creative spaces, really. Um, and um, I've really you know looked to seek through uh, uh, and relate not just to nature, but also fascinated by the relationship that we have with, with ourselves personally, um, and uh, with others as well. So um, I think one of the things that's, that's held me well is, is, you know, since that maybe that trigger point of the, my bad bike, you know, and looking at what I do for myself, I think there's, there's, there's this thing about whilst I've been living in the outside world, trying to be aware of my inside world and how I can manage and develop that. So whilst the curiosity of the outside world occurs, uh, the curiosity of the inside world is there as well, really. So, um, so whilst I've been doing all that stuff externally, I guess it's the internal work that's really been important to me as well, actually, um, and, and nourishing, uh, nourishing that. Um, some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts, some of us like details, some of us like big picture. Um, I think one of the things I, I, I felt that me and Sebastian were both good at was, was, was kind of big picture stuff, but also the detail stuff, really. So being able to travel up and down, really, from the big stuff to the small stuff and the small stuff to the big stuff, really. Uh, and the devil is in the detail or, you know, the goodness and the opportunity to be more positive. The opportunity is in the detail, perhaps, as well. Um, and also... I have a nature to trust things, but also uh, I have another nature not to assume things as well. Uh, so in English, uh, you know, a lot of things, you know, pe people in life or business assume stuff and we get on and do it. And then, and then we go back and think, oh, 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 shit, I didn't really, we did it. I thought this and you thought that. And da -da. So um, in English, we, early on, I remember that, it's, you know, if I look at, if you look at the word assume in English, I'm not even, You've heard of this one before, but if you have, if you spell it out and it says assume, it's like it, I was told it makes an ass of you and me, basically. <laughs> ass of you and me. So never assume anything, basically, was one of my mottos, because it makes an ass of you and me. Um, not literally all the time, of course, because it still happens from time to time, but it was a great indicator for me. So while we were visioning and driving and moving forward and going with the flow and trusting the flow, trusting the journey and knowing where we wanted to get to, but, you know, perhaps maybe setting off on one path, but then the other path might happen. And, you know, there's a, there's a flavor of, of a path that come forward, a bit like a river going down to the sea, you know, it'll go down, it'll, it'll find the, the easiest and best way to flow. Um, 
So we were flowing through things, but as we flow and encounter things, it was really just checking it, you know, and, and, and scrutinizing and discerning, not assuming, checking, double checking, uh, perhaps being a bit too anal about it sometimes as well. Um, and um, yeah, I think that was really, 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 you know, through that being tenacious as well, actually, uh, and positive, actually. Mm. Um, very positive about things, really. Um, and I think also one thing that I've learned to do is, 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 and it's really easy to say this, but it's so bloody hard to do, is like not to try and judge things too much. Right? Mm. People or situations. Um, but also at the same time, contrary to that, trust your instinct, basically. So um, one of the things I've learned over the last 15, 20 years or so is to really trust my instinct because if I'd have acted on it in, in certain occasions sooner rather than later, I'd probably got further faster uh, in some instances, actually. I mean, I'd been fairer to myself and perhaps other people along the way as well. So, you know, going with your guts, uh, connecting to your hearts, uh, trusting, but then checking everything. Um, so quite a, you know, quite an, uh, a, a kind of like a montage of different things, really. Yes, and it, it really resonates with me. I think with with everyone as well. Uh, these these are the kind of values that uh, help you become more conscious. And uh, I'm just really curious. Like every time you hear something that sounds extremely well, like in theory, you always want to say, "Yeah, but how do I put it in practice?" Right? And I would like to ask you then, how is it put it in practice in uh, in puka herbs? What cool. how can a company enact these values? Okay, cool. Well, first of all, you know, try and make sure you're going to go to go to work every day and enjoy yourself, really. Um, um, uh, and and the other people around you are going to do that as well. So, you know, when you have meetings or you're meeting people, when you come out of a meeting, how's your energy? Is it better or worse than when you went in, really? So maybe there's something about the attitude and remembering life. Life is important because we spend five days a week, maybe a bit more, sometimes a bit less you know, working, the majority of our life is committed to work, basically. True. So, you know, before you do it all, kind of make sure you're engaging in something you feel really connects to you and your personal self um, and your potential journey. Um, something that really feels authentic as well and genuine, actually. Um, and perhaps um, meets some of the requirements uh, that you need to, or environments that you need to have in space to, to live your life and to nourish your life. So um, I really think about this role of, of, of your job or the work as, as you know, it's yourself. And, you know, a lot of people, and after I mentioned my early days of life where you would just go to, you know, work and, and personal life would be so separate, but they're so interconnected really. And it's really remembering that interconnection. So setting that up, so you set yourself up in the right environment, in the right space, in the right people. Um, so how did I, yeah, how do I, how do we do that in practice? Well, you know, we, we, um, we, 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 we try and represent our true selves as much as possible. Um, we, um, we're very clear about our mission and our vision. 
Um, and that's a creating a more conscious world by connecting people to the power of plants. Um, and we, when we did it initially, when it was just me and Sebastian, it was just easy because it was instinctive and we knew on. But when it got to about 120, 130 of us, um, and the steps between, we had to let go of that instinctiveness and, and start to create some structure around it. So we did that by employing people who were experts. So, you know, at one time, Sebastian and I did everything from, you know, HR, people management, to sales, to marketing, to admin, to, you know, da, 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 da. And over time, we were very fortunate to employ people who were experts in these, these areas. But doing that, you know, employing people who we feel could connect into our mission and can connect into our journey, really. Um, and one of the interesting bits about that was that people that could be open and, and were could adapt to change, actually. One of the things we've noticed is that the ability for people to adapt to change is really, really important. You know, as you see, particularly more than ever in, in today's society, what we're doing. So um, we would look at treating people as people, um, uh, open plan office, uh, connecting to people. Uh, and I think in Holland, you have a much more open approach, perhaps to the UK in some ways, in, our, in the office environments that we have in the UK sometimes. Um, and then laying down some foundations, really, as we, as we grew, laying down the foundations um, to back to the principles, you know, I've been uh, searching for perfection as much, much as possible, um, but also allowing mistakes to happen at the same time. Mm. And um, through that, as we got bigger, we, we, we started to anchor, we wanted to anchor our behavior. So what it, you know, it's not what we do, it's how we do it, it's so important. And, 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 and you know, what we're doing at work and how we do it is so important as well. Uh, and that, that and that sometimes get gets forgotten, you know. This remembrance that for some reason I don't know who who named us. You know, we're all called human beings, aren't we? Why, why do we call us human beings? Um, but we ended up being human doings. We're doing lots all the mm. time, you know. And we forget that we're actually human beings and not doings, basically. So I had one of my great challenges to people. Pucker was like, let's remember we're not just human doings all the time. We're human beings. And, and let's relate to how we do each other, not what we do all the time, basically. So we started to instigate programs um, related around um, anchor points from these ancient traditions that I mentioned, Missy, before, actually. So I told about the ancient traditions of, you know, and the guides and inspiration of, of, of China and India. And some of the wisdom from yoga and, and, and uh, traditional medicine there and we created these practices um, or looked at these practices of traditions like nonviolence uh, mm. uh, and um, how they could be related into, 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 into the workspace. And through that, we created these things called, called the wisdom seeds. Mm. These are our four wisdom seeds, when kind of the anchor points um, that we would hold as, as principles really uh, of, of ways to be. Um, not necessarily um, with the end point in mind that you should be that, but the, the, pra the practice of being that really. Um, and those, those we developed um, through working with uh, some mm -hmm. consultants actually um, who helped us from traditional wisdom cultures as well actually. Um, and those four words, those four wisdom seeds are truth, um, respect and, and purity and effort. 
Mm. Um, and um, they really, you know, uh, really made, helped us th think and understand um, um, a bit more um, about how we could frame frame our business together, really. So, um, so truth was really about being authentic um, mm -hmm. and real um, to yourself, um, and also about being discerning. Discernment. I don't know if you know the word discernment. Being able to to yeah. uh, to, to to know and, and 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 clear and qualify and filter the the, the truth or the best thing. Uh, clear. Yeah. Yeah, and discern and work that out pretty quickly. Um, and respect was really about, uh, 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 we had two adjectives for each one, so that was discernment and, and, and uh, authenticity. Uh, the other one was really uh, respect, is about self-awareness, um, respect yourself um, uh, and, 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 and all that you are. Try not to judge yourself, uh, but just to see yourself as an opportunity as a person to grow and develop um, and, and be aware of what, what you are and how you act um, with other people. Uh, and then on the, on the other side of respect is, is, is compassion as well as for self and for others as well. Really. Um, uh, the other one, then the third one is, 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 is um, uh, respect, uh, purity and Purity was about being open-hearted um, uh, to oneself again and to to others, and the other one is about being clear-headed as well. Back to that discernment quality, um, and then um, the fourth one was is effort. So hmm. um, make, making sure that the effort you you, you put in is is inspiring, um, uh, and um, feels like it's kind of an effortless effort. Back to that quality of, um, you know, every day we, 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 we go in into work, uh, how hard or how tough is it? And, you know, we can, you've heard this phrase, probably busy fools. Um, yeah. We make our work, uh, our efforts, inspiring and purposeful. Um, I see. So the, the other word was, effort, was um, inspiring and purposeful. I see, and it's it's very interesting that you 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 started uh, talking about the values from the point of a company growing, yeah. and actually I was I was I was curious to to ask you uh, a little bit uh, contradictory question as well, with uh, with uh, being uh, uh, joining forces with Unilever, and I actually wanted to ask you whether how much you think these values can still live in uh, Puka as they are now part of Unilever. And uh, what, what's your view also on maybe the little bit of controversy that, that, that it's spurred? Um, yeah, that was quite a journey and it is still quite a journey. And it's a big story, actually, because when we set up Hucker, we didn't really have an end, an end goal or a, a, a plan to, to, to do what, what, what to do with Pucker. Um, as we grew and developed it, we, we, we realized we were touching people's lives around the world. You know, we, we were selling pucker into 30 countries. Mm. Uh, we needed to keep, to get the herbal, get the herbal word out there and the herbal mission going. And to accelerate this consciousness and connection to nature, we had to keep funding the business really. And we were funding it, you know, 
you make products, you sell them, you make them, you sell them. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to put money in if you're growing at 35, 45%. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, which we were doing and have, and we continue to do today actually as well, you know, still the same results today. And after a while we were you know, we were self-funded. Sebastian and I, we, we got two and a half thousand pounds each out from a cash point. And that's how we started and we got a 10,000 pound loan basically. Um, we grew and developed with the help of the banks uh, who gave us the, the money, which is, gave us the funding and ability to, to, to develop the mission. But after a while, they said to us, listen, guys, we just can't keep giving you money. You need to have some investors in this business to, mm. to, to, to fund it going forward. So we looked at, to invest the business, to, to go with venture capitalists or to JV or to do various other things as well. Um, and uh, we didn't really have a vision to sell the business, but then all of a sudden we met Unilever and we realized that they had a, you know, a legacy of working with brands for a long time. Um, they also were, the, were and are the biggest black tea company in the world with Lipton and PG Tips and Brooke Bond. Yeah. Well, this is a great opportunity to piggyback onto, the, onto them uh, uh, and retain our values and, 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 and create a long-term legacy for Pucker. Because Seven I aren't going to be here forever, but hopefully Pucker will be here for a long time. Um, uh, and oh, this is a, this is an amazing moment or opportunity to do that. And meanwhile, let's just check out. And you know, we we had there are other companies that were interested. Is it kind of like we say in in England, you wait for a long time. It's like waiting for a bus to arrive, and then they all arrive. arrive all the buses arrive at once. Oh. Uh, and and all of a sudden, we had a lot of interest from other companies that wanted to to be involved with poker. Um, we met Ben and Jerry's in America, who were one of Unilever's. Um, companies and we were you know fascinated and encouraged by their social mission and what they were doing and how they were allowed to operate outside of Unilever. So we set up something so we were able to retain our identity, um, get the kind of banking from, from Unilever and to retain our, our, our way of being, you know, to retain our, ourselves, our own sovereignty in Bristol, where we have our own uh, offices called the Herb House with our own herbal laboratory uh, research center and so on as well. And for Unilever to see goodness in that, uh, and, and they were really fascinated in learning from us. So, you know, we were, the, the common principles were that when we handed over that we'd always be organic, we'd always be fair, fair, fair trade certified, we'd always be a B Corp basically, and we'd always give 1% to the planet as well. Um, so those were, those were written in, in, our, in, our, in our agreements, but mm -hmm. also, it wasn't just about holding people to contracts and agreements. It was just about Unilever understanding that's the way to do business. I see. Um, that is the way, you know, in a, we will all, I think we as human beings and people of the world are waking up to purpose and the climate and the issues and the challenges and the essence of understanding more that's and deeper things and how things interrelate. And Unilever are fascinating the way in which we did, but you know, we were a purpose-led business from the start, you know, a force for good, which they weren't. But they wanted, they wanted to learn from that. So we, we were also encouraged to go back into their CEO Paul Pullman at the time and the CEO yeah. Alan Joe, and another team members. Uh, you know, we had access to you know some very senior people in in the 53 billion euro business, and to say to them, hey, listen, guys, this is the way you should do it. You know, 
Now then they've, you know, they're not going to change the, the way they've got big, they've got these big kind of like boats out at sea that they can't maneuver and turn around, but they've been very, very, very open to learning and understanding and, and, and embracing what we do. And we are now um, soaking our values into uh, and our ways of being into, into Unilever even more. Um, and um, so I think what, one of the things yes. that he stood out for us was their, their, their real keenness to, 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 to listen and learn and understand. And, you know, as, as I've said to many people before and since, it was kind of like, you know, we were... We, there were the big guys, we were the small guys, we were in the health food stores, they're everywhere global, you know, they're kind of a bit of us and them. And, and, and at the time when it happened, there was a bit of a backlash on the, the kind of like the BO channels and, and so on. But really, we wanted to show it, to do it, to join and, and, and try and create unity, you know, and, and prove that there is no us and them. There isn't really, a, we're all on the same planet. We're all trying to do things together here. Um, so... Um, for people that challenged us about, you know, you're working with those guys now and not with us guys. It was no, we're all working together because we want to, we want, we want, to, we want to change. And you know, the great one of the best ways to change things in the world is to work with business. You know, politicians are here for four or five years. Governments come and go. Businesses last for a long time. Let's influence these businesses because they're the guys that are going to take charge and make some real key differences to our not just our future, but our current, the way we interact and the way we consume as well. So it's been a really exciting journey over three years now with Unilever. Um, and, you know, we're still growing as much. We've kept our principles intact. Uh, can I say it? We're kind of like um, infecting them with our, our principles even more now. And hopefully oh, yeah. um, they, they, um, they really love what we do. You know, why would you... I used to say to people, why would you lay the, why would you lay the goose that's, that's laying the golden egg, really? Uh, and and Pucker has been laying some golden eggs for some time. And in the tea portfolio, you know, he's just doing incredibly well because we were just committed to what we're doing. But also, yeah, doing things differently, you know? Yeah, challenging the status quo and, and everything. Yeah, but that... also with Unilever and big businesses, you know, people go to there for a career to move around countries, to move around brands, to move around. Mm. One of the things I've learned really is that that's perhaps a downfall is that if you, if you can stick, you can stick out, if you stay somewhere, be, you know, be persistent in, in, in where you are, develop your role, not don't go and change your job or go, go to another company, but develop your role, develop who you are, develop your business, stay in relationship to where you are. It really holds true to going deeper and having a, a, a better connection and that connection uh, if you work with a business for a long time really it, it really amplifies around to others and you know we, we've always set up Puck with relationships with customers and suppliers about being about long-term relationships and that's mm -hmm. to do with our with our people that work with us as well really and I think that's really key is uh, I just was reflecting on it the other day you know we were that, you know, this word entrepreneur, Mizzy, you mentioned this word entrepreneur to me as well before, this word entrepreneur, you know, yeah. Unilever wants to be more, more, let's all be more entrepreneurial. We need to be more entrepreneurial. Well, to me, entrepreneurial just means about making money as fast as you can, basically. Mm. Um, to me, it's not really about being entrepreneurial. It's been about being really authentic and genuine in what you do, really. So, uh, and, and to do that, it's to really relate what, what you do. So the deeper you can relate to things, I think that holds you instead, really. And I think they're learning that more. We're, we've definitely learned that at Pucker now.
Yes, and I I I also uh, agree with the point that uh, more and more brands are actually choosing this way to make making a bigger impact with businesses that can lead the road towards the transition, such as you mentioned Ben and Jerry's, but also uh, Seven Generations, also Puka. Um, yeah. But my question, my last question to you before I open the stage for everyone, would be really to uh, do you, do you see these transformations happening in a pace that is fast enough for carbon uh, offsetting, uh, carbon neutral uh, businesses, the rising, uh, the reassociation with nature? How do you think this wide context of trends that are happening that are influencing these companies and thus Puka as well? The short answer is not happening fast enough. Um, you know, the, we, we know the SDG, I don't know the SDG goals, if you know about the SDG goals and yeah. the commitments to carbon neutral. Um, uh, we've committed to them at Pucker. We were one of the first ones to do that. We're, we're, we are um, on a journey with Unilever influencing them and that change on that as well. Um, I think governments still, you know, have got a right, you know, to, to work in this space and I think governments have let us down a bit, really, in terms of their um, the opportunities they've had to to make, uh, to yeah. make some uh, progress from what was agreed at the Paris uh, summit. Um, I think you know we as individuals have uh, got the the power to choose, and I think you know it's where we spend our money, and we we. We're, a, we're also a B corporation. I don't know if you've heard of B Corps at all. Yes. Um, but they're about, not just about, they're about, they were originally set up in America to have kind of triple bottom line. Um, so, that, you know, purpose run businesses with welfare and justice in mind, uh, mm-hmm. social, social welfare as well. And, um, I, you know, if you're going to spend your money, you, we guys, us guys, we're the ones that can determine that by. You know, the way we live and how we live um, and who we spend, True. you know, sometimes, you know, I think democracy is broken in many ways at the moment, basically, particularly in the UK. We've got a very old system of, 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 of putting people in parliament here. And I think the best vote people can have is, is their money. If you've got, if you're lucky enough to have money, make sure you vote with it every time you spend it somewhere, basically. That's Tim Westwell, the co-founder of Puka Herbs a genuine and authentic leader creating a ripple effect of consciousness in the global business community. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you are curious about the next episodes of the Meeting Impact series, don't forget to subscribe. This episode was produced by Mishi Guyash, with music produced by Andras Agreshi. The cover art was produced by Alejandra Murtia. Thanks also to Frank Odens, Adjan Brower and Frank Ecking. I'm Mishi Guyash and you have been listening to the Meeting Impact podcast, empowered by Young Chiefs, the Heartwork Initiative.